Welcome to Christian Financial Perspectives, a weekly program where we talk about ways to integrate your faith with your finances. This is Bob Barber. This is Mary Jo Lyons. Are you ready to learn the truth about money from a biblical perspective? Join us as we discuss what God's Word says about money and integrating your faith with your finances. If it's your first time listening, welcome to the program. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. Matthew 28, 6. He is not here. He is risen, just as you said. Come and see the place where he lay. As we move through this Lenten season and prepare for the resurrection of Christ Jesus, we wanted to offer some insight into the Easter story and how it relates to money today on Christian Financial Perspectives. We're calling this episode, He is Risen. Here on Christian Financial Perspectives, we look at what God's Word says about money. Even the Easter story shares some perspective on money that we can learn from. We all love a great story, don't we, Bob? Yeah, Mary Jo, we do. In fact, you know, the best story of all time and one of the best storytellers of all time was Christ himself. He touched people with a message of hope and love. He spoke so many times through parables that he shared in his teachings. Many people today don't think that these stories are relevant to today's complex world, but I guarantee they are. That's just simply not true. They're very relevant to today. The parables are great tools to illustrate common, even economic concepts and real world life issues that are as true today as they were back in Jesus' time. Jesus used simple stories from these parables to tell truths in a way that people could understand and relate to. Why Jesus used stories? This is explained for us in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 through 17. Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders, so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? That's very interesting, Mary Jo, that he asked that. Yes, and you know, Bob, I was preparing for the show. I came across this story of a man who was watching some kids play a baseball game. The thing about spring, it's Easter season and time for much celebration, but it's also the beginning of baseball season. So what would a story be without a baseball analogy? (laughs) And as a big Astros fan, I couldn't help but laugh at this particular one. He yelled out at the kids in the right field, who's winning? They are. What's the score, he asked? 17 to nothing. The man said to the kid, it doesn't look too good for you, does it? The kid smiled and said, well, no, sir, but we haven't been up to bat yet. I love it. (laughs) That's optimism. That is optimism when you hadn't even been up the bat yet, but the other team's already scored 17 on you. But that is a great story about hope. That kid was out there in the outfield, and he's like, well, we're going to get up and bat. We're going to score 17 or 18. We're going to score 18. But that kid was kind of speaking in parables of sort, wouldn't you say? I certainly would. I think this is a great example. So as we approach this Easter season, it's important to remember that this gives us reason for hope. 
Christ is risen and Christ will come again. Amen. Just like the baseball story, there's so much hope in this. And I say, what a day that will be for all of us that know Christ is our personal Lord and Savior when we see Jesus in heaven and when he returns to reign here on earth as our king. But in the meantime, there is some days of darkness and we may be discouraged and get discouraged. Maybe we wonder where the world is headed sometimes with the things we see around us and the news and internet and media. But I know this, as Christians, that is only temporary. So have no fear, the kingdom wins. As John 16, 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. Christ has overcome the world. I have overcome the world is what Christ said. And this is what we try to do here on Christian Financial Perspectives. We take today's financial issues and tie them back to biblical messages that relate to money and wealth. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard us say many times, the Bible has much to say about money and managing wealth. So Mary Jo, let's get into a little bit of that. Here we are in the Easter season. We know that Judas is a big part of that. So we're going to look at the story of Judas as an example and what the Bible tells us about money and wealth. In Matthew 27, we look at the story of Judas. Very early in the morning, the leading priest and the elders of the people met again to lay plans for putting Jesus to death. Then they bound him, led him away, and took him to Pilate, the Roman governor. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had not been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do you care? They said back. That's your problem. Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. The leading priest picked up the coins. It wouldn't be right to put this money in the temple treasury, they said, since it was payment for murder. After some discussion, they finally decided to buy the potter's field, and they made it a cemetery for foreigners. That's why the field is still called the Field of Blood. This fulfilled the prophecy of Jeremiah that says, They took the 30 pieces of silver, the price at which he was valued by the people of Israel, and purchased the potter's field as the Lord directed. So as we look at this passage, there are many theories about why Judas portrayed Jesus as master. Most people think he was motivated by greed. Some say he was possessed by the devil. I say that one. And some say he was just chosen to fulfill prophecy. But much has been written about this story as it leads to Christ's resurrection. But the wisdom behind this is that Judas did have a love of money. So Mary Jo, it's really interesting as we look at this next scripture from Acts 1 about the money that Judas threw back at the Pharisees and the chief priest, that 30 pieces of silver that they're like, wait, this is not our money. This is blood money. So they took that money that Judas gave them and went and bought that field. Let's look at this next scripture about what happened with the money that the chief priest took back from Judas to buy that field. In Acts chapter 1, verses 18 through 19, with the reward he got for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language, field of blood. The additional detail we learn is that after Judas hung himself, his dead body fell into the field purchased with his ill-gotten gains. So what do you think this tells us about ill-gotten gains? Well, in Proverbs chapter 1, verses 19, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. So I think Judas lost his life. 
That's definitely what happened. Greed got a hold of him, and there's even more about greed in relationship to the crucifixion with the report of the guards and uh, Matthew 28, 11 through 15. So if you would read that passage for us. As the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and told the leading priests what had happened. A meeting with the elders was called, and they decided to give the soldiers a large bribe. They told the soldiers, You must say, Jesus' disciples came during the night while we were sleeping, and they stole his body. If the governor hears about this, he'll stand up for you so you won't get in trouble. So the guards accepted the bribe and said that they were told to say, Their story spread widely among the Jews, and they still tell it today. You know, it seems like under other circumstances, the soldiers would have been afraid to say that all four had been sleeping on duty. That wouldn't have gone over too well. <laughs> but but they were greedy. You know, Mary Jo, I think it's interesting in the scripture of Matthew 28, 11 through 15 that you just read, bribe appears a couple of times in there. You know, the, the soldiers took a large bribe. They accepted the bribe. The guards did. So this was really a story about bribery. It seemed to be a common practice those days. Yeah, it was like, hey, we'll bribe you to say this, even though that's not what really happened. So this is a very, very good part. we got to take this scripture and really absorb it. Again, that's Matthew 28, 11 through 15, to see what was going on here and how there was all this bribery going to make everything, you know, the way they wanted to say it. Does that make sense? Sure, and I think that the soldiers knew they were in trouble, and it really didn't matter because they were going to be in trouble either way. Well, exactly. I mean, what if you were sitting there and you saw a rock roll back, you know, <laughs> and here comes Christ out and resurrected and all these angels? I mean, man, that's some scary stuff. And they knew their flesh was on the line. I mean, they could get killed for this. You know, Bob, greed is the undoing of many a good soldier in the Bible. The Bible speaks to this on numerous occasions. A great example of that is in the first book of Timothy, chapter 6, verse 9. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Yeah, I think this is a good example. You know, we've shared this many times on Christian financial perspectives that we got to be careful about how that money can cause us to fall into temptation because God's Word gives us wisdom about what to do, when to do it, and how to gain spiritual victories in the midst of chaos. And this definitely includes your financial life. Joshua 1.7 is another good one in the Old Testament. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. In other words, stay on that straight path. We are called upon not to be passive, but to be proactive for the cause of Christ. And when we do that, it requires commitment and discipline. And I was reading a recent devotional from Pastor Jack Graham recently, and he talks about how the Christian life is a marathon, not a 100-yard dash. The Christian life is not to be lived in spurts and jumps and stops and starts, but it is to be lived like a great racer running to the finish line. You know, Mary Jo, it's like running a marathon. The Christian life requires discipline not based on emotions but faith because we're in a constant cosmic battle between good and evil and wanting to do it our own way versus God's way. You're right, Bob. We're in a war. We're in a race. And the bullets are real. The casualties are high. Endurance is required to finish the course and to run the race. The Bible says to run that we might win. And this includes your financial life. 
and preparing for your financial future. So it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And it does require discipline for your financial life to get to the goals that you want. This is where working with a trusted financial advocate comes in. And it's been shown that ongoing financial planning can pay off in many ways. So there have been an industry study that estimate that financial advice can actually add between 1.5% and 4% to account growth over extended periods. And I think that in itself tells us a lot about how much working with a trusted financial advisor can really help you. This caught my attention because I think that it's very impressive. This study comes from several very key financial institutions, and they all did their version of this study. And those sources include InvestNet, Capital Sigma, the return on advice. This estimates advisor value adds an average of 3% per year and was completed in 2016. Russell Investments did a value of an advisor study in 2017 titled Why Advisors Have Never Been So Valuable. Their estimates value add at more than 4% per year. Vanguard, putting a value on your value. Quantifying Vanguard's Advisors Alpha, done in 2016. Their study estimates lifetime value can add an average of 3%. Morningstar Investment Management study was entitled The Value of a Gamma Efficient Portfolio and was completed in 2017. So these are some pretty key names in our industry. I think that was something our listeners would really want to pay attention to, don't you, Bob? Yeah, I like the part, and I want to repeat that, that, you know, financial advice may add between one and a half and four percent to account growth over extended periods. I think you know why. It's because plans fail from counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed, and we help in those emotional decisions, just like we were talking earlier about that our Christian walk should be based on faith, not emotions. As should your financial life, you know, and we have talked about how the Christian life, it's a battle between good and evil and our financial life. It's a battle too. It's a battle between our wants, our desires, our needs and our future financial requirements. So we have to balance that. And and I think that's the message we have today for our listeners. And we encourage our listeners to seek wise counsel. And if we can help, we're happy to do so. So, Bob, as we wrap up this special Easter edition of Christian Financial Perspectives, what other advice would you offer our listeners? Well, Mary Jo, I was thinking in the spirit of Easter, and I remember in our family, we used to do what we called resurrection eggs. And we would go put these eggs out, and you would open up, and they would have scriptures in them, because sometimes the Easter bunny tries to take the true meaning of Easter away. So anyway, I was thinking about that, and eggs are around the Easter season, and I was thinking of that saying, don't put all your eggs in one basket. And, you know, that really comes from Ecclesiastes 11.2, where it says, give your portions to seven or eight, because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. I love it, Bob. I think that's a great analogy. In fact, we did a complete show on this one. It was episode 28 on diversification. So listeners can listen to that one by going to christianfinancialpodcast.com and listening to some of our archives. So Mary Jo, I took this scripture and and Easter eggs. What about you? Do you have any advice you would give our listeners when it comes to those Easter eggs? Well, you know, Bob, this is real for me, and it was something that kind of traumatized me as a child. So I sure do. And it's don't eat your chocolate bunny head first. That's just not right. You have to start with the legs because eating it head first, it just sends the wrong message. 
But uh, we also want to take this time to thank our listeners for sticking with us and listening week after week. We appreciate you. And we wish you a joyous Easter from all of us at CIS Wealth Management Group. You are listening to Christian Financial Perspectives. Join us next week as we explore what God's Word says about money. And don't forget, you can sign up for our free newsletter at ciswealth.com or give us a call at 877-71-TRUTH. That's 877-718-7884. To make sure you don't miss any of our podcasts regarding the truth about money, be sure to subscribe to Christian Financial Perspectives at christianfinancialpodcast.com for free. If there are any specific topics you would like to hear more about, we'd love to hear from you. That's all for now. Until next week. Working with a trusted advisor does not guarantee an investment will be successful. All investments carry a certain risk, and there is no assurance that an investment will provide positive performance over time. An investor may experience loss of principal. Comments from today's show are for informational purposes only and not to be considered investment advice or recommendations to buy or sell any company that may have been mentioned or discussed. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host, Bob Barber and Mary Jo Lyons. Bob and Mary Jo do not provide tax advice and encourage you to seek guidance from a tax professional. Investment advisory services offered through Christian Investment Advisors, Inc., DPA CIS Wealth Management Group, a registered investment advisor.